Welcome to Tifton Talks, the podcast, bringing you the latest news and hot topics in Tifton and the surrounding area. This episode was recorded Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. Let's start with some breaking news, or somewhat breaking news. Noel Dean, the head football coach at Tiff County High, revealed on Monday that he will not seek contract renewal after the academic year's conclusion. He cited personal challenges including his son's illness and recent events, as pivotal in this decision, aiming to refocus the team amid ongoing distractions. The Tiff County Board of Education had placed the high school principal and superintendent on leave in the past week with reasons so far undisclosed, and then local residents had previously questioned Dean's position following a challenging season. Dean's coaching approach Well, it emphasized academics and commitment and character and physical strength, striving for holistic student-athlete development. And despite the challenges, he has expressed pride in the team's achievements and has also emphasized that this journey with the players and coaches has been a fulfilling one. Now, he did write a letter. And if you want to go read the letter, it's over at TiftonGrapevine.com. I encourage you to go check it out, of course. Tifton Grapevine, very good, basically, newsletter. They put out twice a week, have put it out for many, many, many years. Tip of the hat to them. Uh, They do provide some fantastic information. Yeah, we've started putting out our own newsletter, but I think there's, there's probably room enough in this community for more than one, because our focus is, of course, going to be on what's going on in the community, but we we want to broaden the scope a little bit. So I think there's going to be a place for both of us. So definitely do not want to take anything away from Tifton Grapevine. So if you haven't subscribed, go to TiftonGrapevine.com, subscribe to their newsletter. Also encourage you to go to TiftonTalks.com, click on the newsletter link and subscribe to ours. I'd greatly appreciate it. Now, the letter from the coach. Dear Tiff County football community, I am writing to announce that I will not be seeking to renew my contract as the head football coach at Tiff County High School at the conclusion of the academic year. This decision has not been an easy one, as it comes with a heavy heart and a deep sense of gratitude for the experiences I've had during my tenure here. I have an unwavering love for this football team and a profound sense of duty to the senior class of 2024. I, along with this coaching staff, will exhaust every effort to ensure that these final five games will not be their last and will continue our collective pursuit of a region championship and a playoff berth. Over the past three seasons, my family has undergone significant challenges, including my son's illness and the events of the last few weeks. It has become evident to me that it is time for us to embark on a new chapter, one focused on healing and recovery. I hope that this announcement can bring an end to the drama and distractions that have enveloped our program in recent weeks, allowing our coaches and players to regain their singular focus on the task at hand for the remainder of the season. When I accepted this role, it was with the aspiration of creating a program that prioritized the holistic development of our student-athletes, where their needs were placed at the forefront of our efforts. I took on this position not out of necessity, but out of a profound desire to connect with young men, to build authentic relationships and provide them with an enduring experience that they would carry throughout their lives. While the decision to step away is undoubtedly difficult, I am proud of the accomplishments we have achieved together. 
The establishment of the four tridents, academics, commitment, character, and strength, has positioned the program and its student-athletes for success. Our team's GPA now stands above 86, with a participation rate exceeding 95% in team activities. We've witnessed a dramatic decline in football players' ISS-OSS incidents, remarkable growth in the weight room, and dedicated community service totaling hundreds of hours. I extend my gratitude to our players for their unwavering commitment and work ethic. The impact in the community has been significant. From bringing the red, white, and blue devil game to Tifton, to the enriching experiences provided by the Special Hearts Legends game and engagement in youth through the Tiff County Football Literacy Campaign, our program has stayed true to its commitment to being a community-oriented program. We've provided our student-athletes with opportunities to demonstrate leadership and nurture a sense of loyalty and duty. Furthermore, the youth levels have reached unprecedented strength, and I want to express my sincere appreciation to Brett Wilson for his unwavering dedication in this regard. His tireless efforts have not gone unnoticed and are greatly appreciated by this community. Tiff County football is on strong footing. And I am profoundly thankful for the coaches who have invested their hearts and souls in this journey. When assembling a staff, I placed a premium on men that would prioritize our players as individuals and dedicate themselves to helping players become not just better athletes, but better people. As I step away from the role of head coach, I do so with a deep sense of fulfillment, knowing that together we have crafted something extraordinary. I will forever treasure the memories, the camaraderie, and the growth we have experienced as a team. I wish to express my deepest gratitude to the players, parents, fellow coaches, and the entire Tiff County community for their unwavering support and dedication. Sincerely, Noel Dean. Now, I find that that letter is, is a very nice letter. It's upbeat. It's positive, And... Trust me, coming from someone who really doesn't care anything about sports, I don't like football, baseball. I'm not a sports guy. I'm a tech guy. Always have been. Never really played sports because I probably would have gotten my ass beaten (laughs) easily if I ever tried to play football or anything like that. And I also understand that when it comes, I mean, football, sports in general, especially high school sports, just seems to be in in a world of its own. And I have friends that are really big in sports, really big into to football specifically. You may recall some years ago, around 2013, um, we had a podcast called The Devil's Lair um, that was spearheaded by Randy Meadows. And Randy's a good friend of mine, and uh, he's my go-to guy when it comes to sports. But th- this is just a personal commentary from from me on this. <laughs> This letter could not have been more cordial and just, I don't know, how's the best way to say this? He's very appreciative. He finds this this journey fulfilling, even though in our own Facebook group, with everything that was going on with the with the principal, with the, with the, uh, Dr. Stone, was going on with the superintendent, there were literal calls in the group to get rid of Coach Dean. So... The, the dichotomy of the way this farewell letter is written and where he, he, he seems to take the high road and, and, you know, tip of the hat, hats off to him for doing that. 
talking about how there's been unwavering support and dedication. Now, I know my my little peering into this through the, the this little veil of what goes on in sports, high school sports specifically, it's very just a small sliver. But personally, from the things I've seen, especially in, in our Tifton Talks Facebook group and other things online, I'm not sure if that statement is true. Unwavering support and dedication? I don't know. There's probably people in the community that that understand what Coach Dean was doing. And here's the one thing that really stood out to me. One of the issues that we have in general when it comes to school sports, whether it be high school sports, whether it be collegiate sports, anything like that, is the the spotlight and the importance that is that is placed on the success of the sports division, not academics. Now, we've made great strides, I think, in ensuring that players also are academically challenged and and do well in their in their studies. Because at the end of the day, and we've seen this too many times, and again, I'm an outsider looking in. We've seen too many times where you've had this rising star. His his future looked so bright. He was going to become a a, a famous baseball player. He's going to become a famous football player. And I think you probably see this more in football than you do baseball because of the the contact nature of football. And then suddenly, one accident on the field, career over. And the only thing he has left to rely upon is his academics. And so to see a coach talk about how academics and commitment and character and strength, taking a holistic approach to making sure that these students are well-rounded individuals, that, that football is not simply the primary focus of them growing up their tenure in high school, I think that's that's very profound. And again, I know nothing about Coach Dean. Never met the guy. Honestly, didn't even know who the head coach of Tiff County football was until all of this crap started over the last couple of weeks. So anyway, uh, there you go. Some, I guess some folks got what they wanted. And, and I do find it kind of funny how people just get butt hurt and bent out of shape whenever their, their high school football team doesn't excel to the levels that they, they feel like they should. It's like we, all, <laughs> we have this, this vested interest in, oh, my God, if the Tiff County uh, 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 Blue Devils don't win a championship, the world's going to come to an end. No, it's not. Do we want them to succeed? Of course we do. We want everybody to succeed in their endeavors. I mean, the goal is to win. I get that. But we should never lose sight of the fact that it's a game. You get out there to be competitive. You get out there to have fun, and you get out there to win. But if you lose, life goes on. Another newsworthy incident that uh, happened on Tuesday was a uh, pepper spray was discharged on a Tiff County school bus. We were alerted to this by a member in the Tifton Talks Facebook group who had um, screenshot a text um, notification. Chemical believed to be pepper spray was sprayed on bus 202 this morning during the middle and high school route. School administrators contacted EMS, and out of an abundance of caution, it was advised that students be transported to Tift Regional Medical Center for evaluation. Schools are in the process of contacting parents of these students and requesting that they come to TIF Regional at this time. 
If you have not been contacted by the school and your middle or high school student rides this bus, please contact the school or meet your child at Tiff Regional Medical Center. School administrators from the Northeast Middle School and Tiff County High School are currently on site at the hospital. They did not involve any students that ride the elementary school route. So, yeah, uh, there is an investigation. It was led by Tifton Police, Tiff County School System Security. They confirmed the chemical as pepper spray. And, of course, parents expressed concern, especially for middle school students who were more severely affected. And the cause of this incident is still under investigation. Now, my first question was, you hear these things all the time, and, and usually it it winds up a hell of a lot more tragic than, than this turned out to be. Firearms. You know, the number of times that we've seen news reports all across the country about how a child was able to get their hands on their parents' gun and whether they they took it to school for malicious reasons or as a curiosity, and then tragedy strikes. So that was my first question in the group. I was like, so what's the thinking? Did a child get their, their parents' pepper spray and, and was just playing around with it? Was it a curiosity? Or was it a prank? Was it a child just, I don't know, wanting to be a brat? There's still questions. I'm curious about it. Uh, if you wind up getting any ad- additional information, I mean, I'd love to to hear about it. You can email newsletter at tiftontalks.com, and uh, that's that's the email address for anything that you think would be newsworthy that we include in the newsletter or even the podcast. Because as in this episode, we're we're going to go through some of the some of the articles uh, that have been in the newsletter. I think we're up to we've released three newsletters. We're trying to do we're trying to do two a week, but that's not guaranteed. It just depends. I mean, honestly, if there's nothing to report, I'm not going to put a newsletter out. It makes no sense. I don't like fluff. I like interesting things to share, but I don't like putting a newsletter out for the sake of putting a newsletter out. So anyway, uh, if I miss it or you think there's some information that uh, would be pertinent to this pepper spray situation, shoot me an email, newsletter at tiftontalks.com. Now, let's go back through some of the uh, the newsletter news tidbits and topics. Starting with uh, Tifton Talks newsletter from September 19th, 2023. Top story on that newsletter was talking about uh, Tifton's Commerce Way project exceeding the budget and that the city proposed cutbacks in the use of SPOS funds. So at that time, the project was was facing some significant cost overruns. And so the city officials were proposing to scale back the project. It was initially budgeted at $3.5 million. And so then the project was streamlined so that they could address essential needs like utility upgrades and stormwater issues, fixing ADA noncompliant sidewalks. And that was great, but even with the scaled-down version – it was projected to be $2.7 million, which exceeded the budget by over $1.5 million. And then it goes on to say that uh, items removed from the project to reduce the cost included the crosswalk uh, striping, solar-powered traffic signals, uh, certain street improvements, the use of concrete in a particular section. The city also had received $955,140 in a grant from the Georgia Department of Community Affairs, also known as DCA, for this project. 
which then that requires a $300,000 matching contribution from the city. And I guess there, there was talk about potentially returning that money, which then could jeopardize future DCA funding. Well, an update to that is they have decided, the council has voted four to one to move forward with the Commerce Way redevelopment project. They're going to use SPLOST funds. And again, we're talking about sidewalk improvements, utility enhancements, stormwater issue resolution, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Vice Mayor Jack Folk, he supported the need for the sidewalk improvements, but he opposed using SPLOST funds for water and sewer upgrades, going so far as to suggest that these costs should be covered by the users. Whereas City Manager Emily Beeman, she defended the SPLOST funding, said that it was appropriate for a comprehensive capital improvement project like Commerce Way. So it looks like it's going to move forward. They're going to use SPLOST funds. And, you know, I don't know where you you land on the, the side of that equation. I don't know about the current administration in the city of Tifton, but as someone who worked for the city for a number of years, I was there from 1999 to, well, 10 years, 1999 to 2009, when they sold off our department, which was CityNet, the cable broadband, to plant telephone. So I, I, I got the opportunity to see the inner workings of that political machine. And I'm never going to outright say that laws were broken because I can't verify that. But I, I can say that sometimes there were moves made with SPLOST money, in my opinion, and, and in my, my own personal experience, that the general public would probably look at that and go, are you sure that's what that was meant to be used for? Looks like the project's moving forward. I guess that's great. I guess it's great. Um, I don't understand how it was, I don't understand the, how it got so high in the budgeting process. If the budget was $1.5 million, how was it initially budgeted at 3.5? I mean, what did they do? I guess 3.5 was just too much to to swallow. And so then they, they scaled it down, but then it was still 2.7, but they had a budget of 1.5. And I guess that is that 1.5, I have questions. Is that 1.5 the budget that the city had to kick in? And and, and that does not include the $955,140? Or does it include the $955,140? That one's a little iffy for me, so I, I, I don't know. And I don't know if it's really important. I mean, they're going to do what they're going to do. They're moving forward. The project is, is going to be completed, as far as we can tell from here. We had a fatal plane crash in Fitzgerald on September 13, 2023. Uh, we had an experienced pilot that was killed. His name was William Jack Sumner. He was 68 years old. Again, he was an experienced pilot. He died in the crash. Uh, there was another individual with him that was airlifted to a hospital in Tallahassee, Florida. And uh, it crashed on East Sewanee Street near Monitor Drive. Now, I'm originally from Fitzgerald, Georgia, so I've got a good sense of where this was. And some of the backstory from what I remember is he was looking to sell the plane. So the individual that was with him uh, was basically assessing the plane. He was the potential buyer. And as far as I know, I have not seen any further updates to this. There's nothing that's really come out to say exactly why the crash happened. Um, I mean, who knows? Could have been mechanical failure. You would think. An experienced pilot would not be the cause, and I'm not saying he is, but sometimes things happen. 
But it is a tragedy, and of course, you know, heart goes out to his family and and what have you. You, you never, never like to see anything like this. And of course, this announcement's uh, now a couple of days late, but starting on September 25th, which was two days ago as of recording this episode, uh, the Georgia Department of Transportation, a contractor for them, is going to be doing asphalt maintenance on Interstate 75 in Crisp and Turner counties. This maintenance will involve lane closures mainly during daylight hours with some closures occurring at night, and the work will cover north and south lanes at different locations between mileposts slash interchanges 84 State Route 159 and 99 State Route 300. Uh, The project may take up to 10 days to complete, of course, subject to weather conditions, and they probably didn't work yesterday because it rained practically all day. Motorists are advised to slow down with approaching work zones and, if possible, change lanes to ensure safety. With the Tifton Talk newsletter, the way we've designed this is we want to focus on the first part of the newsletter is going to be about what's happening in Tifton, Tiff County, the surrounding area. So we're not always going to just specifically focus on Tifton and Tiff County. We're going to have news tidbits from Fitzgerald, Osceola, Valdosta, Albany, Georgia. It You know, if it makes sense and... Is something that that we feel like that you would find informative, that you would want to know, then we're going to include it. But we're also breaking the newsletter into sections. We're, we're following that. We have a section called "The More You Know," and this is where we're going to provide information and links to resources and articles that we think is informative, but doesn't have anything to do necessarily with our local community, like news happening in our local community. And then sometimes at the tail end, we'll probably, if there's something worthy of reporting, we'll have some tech stories. We're calling that section Tifton Talks Tech. And with the last newsletter at the very bottom, we're we're throwing in a little weather forecast for like three or four days. Those are the segments of the newsletter. And the reason why I bring this up is in this particular newsletter, We had under our The More You Know, we had an article about diverse opinions arise regarding the contemporary American family. Now, I realize being down here in South Georgia, us Southern folks are a little bit different than the rest of the country for the most part. And I am an outlier when it comes to Southern traditions and the the Southern mentality because I'm generally contrary to the the, the status quo of the way things have been done for the last 75 or 100 years. And I, I make no apologies for it. I'm for marriage equality. I don't care who you love. You want to get married? You know, as the old joke goes, let them suffer like the, the rest of us. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, there's always this talk about the nuclear family, how, how that's what is destroying the fabric of America, and, and I do not agree with that. But, you know, you're welcome to your own opinions. I'm not here to preach to you about what I believe. But this particular article goes on to talk about how the public holds mixed views on the state of the modern American family, with more individuals expressing pessimism than optimism about the future. So a survey was conducted by the Pew Research Center, and it sheds light on various aspects of family life, including marriage and fertility, the importance of family members supporting each other. 
The study was based on responses from 5,073 U.S. adults, and it highlighted that Americans have differing opinions on trends affecting family dynamics. Like I said, down here in the South, we're probably going to have some strong opinions about the nuclear family or family dynamics. Some of these trends include fewer children being raised by two married uh, parents, people marrying later in life, couples living together without marriage. Uh, some of the views, uh, they, they have a tendency to trend negatively. Many see them as having, well, neither a, a positive or a negative impact on society. It really doesn't matter. And it went on to get into the attitudes regarding different family types. Americans are accepting of various family arrangements with differences in degrees of acceptance. Uh, one notable uh, example, a majority of finds families consisting of a married husband and wife raising children as the most acceptable. And again, I would fathom that's probably the majority of people down here in the South. However, there's a significant proportion that they don't consider marriage and parenthood as central to leading a fulfilling life. You look at millennials and Gen Z or Zoomers, and I am a I am a proud father of two millennials and one that's right there on the cusp of being millennial slash Zoomer. Uh, she says she's a Zoomer. I'm mean, uh, rather she's a millennial. She's not a Zoomer. She's a millennial. Some of the Zoomers actually irk her. Millennials and Zoomers are. I mean, they're either not getting married or they're waiting later in life to get married. And, and marriage is not necessarily a, a motivator for them. So, yeah, I mean, every generation, guys, I'm Gen X, and we all know. Think about the way our parents treated us as we were coming up. You're never going to amount to anything. All you want to do is sit there and play on video games all day long. You're going to wind up out on the street. Yeah, Except we didn't. We built this internet that you are currently listening to this on. Um, we were the primary drivers and motivators of the technology, the base technology that you enjoy today by being able to get your email. Now, we didn't create everything. Now, don't get me wrong. Those that came before us laid the path out. We just built that path up. Because it was Generation X, it was my generation, and if you're a Gen Xer, it's your generation, that built the foundation of what we enjoy today, being able to go online and buy things from Amazon or buy things from Walmart or, or stay up to date on the latest news and, unfortunately, misinformation, disinformation, and conspiracy theories. And you look at our, our parents, and they said we were never going to amount to anything. And yet, you have video gamers out there streaming, making millions of dollars a year just because people love to sit and watch them play video games. And it's, it's also about the personality. It's, it's very reminiscent to me. If you remember the, uh, in radio, the shock jocks, Howard Stern, uh, Tom Likas, those guys— you know, that was that was our, honestly, that was our generation of streamers, if you were into that. Not everybody was, but you get, you get my point. So the dynamics are going to change. That's all I'm saying. They're going to change from generation to generation. But this study goes on to say that factors contributing to a fulfilling life were explored. Job satisfaction, close friendships, those being prioritized over marriage and children. I think that's what you're seeing in millennials and Zoomers. Attitudes toward family life, 
they're very differently across the demographics, including age and race and ethnicity and, and political affiliation. And it went on to get to do a deep dive into views on falling fertility rates, open marriages, divorce, family responsibility, and the influence of personal experiences on the perceptions of family dynamics. I mean, millennials and Zoomers don't want to have kids, and I don't blame them. Honestly, I do not blame them. We've talked about this in our family. We are not grandparents. My children, my youngest is 26. My oldest will be 30 this year. None of them are married. None of them have kids. None of them want kids. And much to the chagrin of my wife, she's come to accept this. I mean, she wanted grandbabies. I'm okay with it. I'm not against it, but I'm okay with it. And if you look at the state of the world right now and all of the trials and tribulations that we're going through, this would be a hell of a time to bring children into this world. I'm not saying that people that do it are making mistakes. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But it's just I understand the need to focus on other things than being a parent. We started at an early age, and I'm very thankful that we did because— we're still middle age, and my children are grown enough that we, we're we like friends now and, and, and comrades and things like that instead of, you know, unfortunately being 65 or 70 and they're graduating high school. Not, not saying anything about anybody that had children later in life. If it worked for you, that's great. I'm just glad we did what we did. But I found this, this article interesting. Uh, the link to the entire thing is is in the newsletter. Again, if you go to TiftonTalks.com, there's a link uh, in the menu bar that says newsletter. Click it, and that'll get you to the homepage, which is essentially TiftonTalks.substack.com, and you'll, you'll see all of the newsletters that have been uh, produced thus far. And then we have articles like this one. Invite dragonflies to your yard for natural mosquito control. Plant these to attract them. And what I thought was funny is I'd already put this in the newsletter, and we literally had somebody in the Facebook, the TikTok's Facebook group, also post this. So thank you for that. Uh, seems like we're on the same wavelength. But if you have issues with mosquitoes, and I can tell you where I live, we, we have a lot of pine trees. And pine trees have a tendency to bring a couple of two major things I hate, roaches and mosquitoes. And of course, if you've got standing water, that's... That's another issue when it comes uh, to mosquitoes. It's difficult sometimes to sit out on the deck, you know, in the evening hours, late night. You know, you might want to have a little fire in your in your your uh, fire pit or your chimenea or whatever. And you know, even if it's sixty five degrees, you don't necessarily want to be uh, bundled up head to head to toe because otherwise you might lose a pint of blood <laughs> due to the mosquitoes. So I thought this was an interesting article to share. Again, this is in the more you know section of the newsletter, so you're welcome. Dragonflies are natural mosquito predators. I did not know that. I did not know that. I learned this at 53 years of age. Dragonflies are natural mosquito predators, effectively controlling mosquito populations by consuming both mosquitoes and their larvae. To attract dragonflies to your yard for mosquito control, Consider planting specific plants that appeal to them. Dragonflies also prey on various tiny insects, making blooming plants and water plants near ponds essential. So there are 10 plants, both land and pond varieties, that they recommend to attract dragonflies to your yard and uh, as a way of naturally keeping mosquitoes at bay. You've got black-eyed Susan, swamp milkweed, joe pie weed, uh, meadow sage, white yarrow, 
Then you got pond, uh, pond plants that arrowhead, wild celery, water horsetail, cattail, also known as bulrushes, and water lily. So if you can create a su- suitable environment for dragonflies by using like, you know, rocks and sticks uh, in your ponds for the larvae to hide and grow, then that's going to further incentivize your dragonflies to, to come and basically have their hunting ground. And I don't know about you, but dragonflies are cool. They are very cool and very pretty. And I'm not an insects guy. Most insects make my skin crawl. Can't stand roaches, can't stand spiders. Yee. In today's digital age, your online privacy is under constant threat. Hackers, data snoopers, and even your own internet service provider can track your every move, leaving your personal information exposed. But fear not. There's a powerful shield that can safeguard your digital life, and that is private internet access. Private Internet Access VPN is your ultimate privacy solution. With just a single click, you can encrypt your internet connection, making your online activities completely anonymous. Hackers will hit a dead end. Data snoops will see only encrypted gibberish. And even your ISP won't be able to track your every move. But that's not all. Private Internet Access VPN also allows you to virtually travel the world, choose from their vast network of servers in different countries, and experience the internet as if you were there. Whether you're streaming your favorite shows, accessing blocked websites, or simply safeguarding your sensitive information, PIA is your trusted companion. Don't compromise on your digital privacy any longer. Join the millions who've already taken control of their online experience with private internet access. Use the affiliate link at tiftontalks.com slash PIA and get 30 days free. That's tiftontalks.com slash PIA to unlock the power of online privacy today. Private internet access. Your privacy, your rules. Now I'm moving over to the Tifton Talks newsletter for September 22nd, 2023. I've got to admit, I had no idea about any of this until it started blowing up in our Facebook group. Uh, I did not... I did not know who Chad Stone was. I very loosely knew who the superintendent was. Um, But, you know, I never had kids in the the Tifton school system. As I said before, I'm originally from Fitzgerald. My wife is originally from Cordell, but, uh, you know, we we both basically grew up in Fitzgerald, Georgia. We went to the Ben Hill County schools, uh, school system. And when we started uh, with our kids, they were in the Ben Hill County School System. And it didn't take long before we realized that the Ben Hill County School System sucked. It was not challenging enough for our kids. And every parent says this, you know, their kids are are brilliant. Mine are. (laughs) I mean, my my youngest son works for Amazon in the cloud services department, uh, AWS, perimeter protection, basically firewalling. Uh, my oldest one uh, had a stint with Twitch, which is the aforementioned, remember I said, uh, talking about streaming video games? Well, Twitch is still, they've had some setbacks, but they are still the top number one place to go for content creators to stream themselves playing video games and other things. So we homeschooled, and so I didn't have a dog in this hunt, as they say, when it comes to the Tiff County school system. As the general manager of CityNet, I did have to deal with the superintendent and the school system back then, 
But as far as the academic side, the educational side, again, no dog in the hunt. But this thing blew up. And I learned a little bit about Dr. Chad Stone. He seems like a cool guy. But that was the topic. He's a well-loved principal at Tiff County High School. And so this whole thing, and I'm not really going to rehash all of it, but there was just a lot of stuff going on. And, and the, I'm just going to say some of it is kind of hinky. I mean, number one, I don't understand why Dr. Stone had to apologize. I don't understand what he had to apologize for. Based on everything, and of course, I reached out to him, and, and I didn't expect to get anything back because uh, I did want to talk to him. I wanted to get his side of the story, but I also understand that he was probably just trying to to cover all of his bases and make sure that he didn't make the situation any worse than it already was. Not saying that he's the cause of it to begin with, but I don't understand what he what he had to apologize for. But so there was a, a school board meeting, and um, he was suspended for basically a week. And Superintendent Adam Hathaway was placed on indefinite administrative leave. So, yeah, as far as I know, I haven't seen anything further about this. Uh, Mickey Weldon, who's a former assistant superintendent of human resources for Tiff County Schools, has uh, assumed the role of interim superintendent. You know, again, I don't really have any connection to this other than the fact that I live in this community. And, I mean, all of this just seems suspect. And I see there's a bunch of calls for just wiping out the the board and and I don't mean wiping out in <laughs> in the eternal sense. I mean challenge them and replace them. And that's the thing I've 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 never liked about boards of education. They do not seem to be in my opinion. So take this with a grain of salt. They just don't seem to be for the students. You know, it just it's too political. It and and that that right there is what always aggravates me. You can start out something with the the noblest of intentions, and as soon as politics creeps into it, it's destroyed. And I don't know if it's, you know, you've got individuals that are like, I want to be, I want to represent my community, I want to represent my my district, I want to represent my state. They get into politics again with the noblest of intentions, and I don't know if the political machine just just gobbles you up and then spits you out as the shell of the human that you once were. Honestly. Anybody that wants to get into politics, I think, has maybe they got psychological issues. I don't know. <laughs> it makes you wonder. So anyway, that was the thing that was going on. Um, how this is going to fall out, I don't know. Uh, Dr. Stone is still going to, as far as I know, last I heard, he's still going to retire. And uh, he's two years away from retirement, so he's going to have to buy that retirement, which, I mean, that kind of sucks, but... Hopefully for he for him and his family, that will uh, that'll be a good thing. Um, I know there's a lot of a lot of parents, a lot of students. Again, uh, from what I've I've read and what I've seen in the in the interactions, comments I've seen in the uh, Tipton Talks Facebook group, love Doctor Stone. Don't wish for him to go, but you know sometimes you just got to do what's right for your family. And my word, in in this. In this era of cancel culture, see, it used to be that you were always presumed innocent before you were found guilty. Now, in the court of public opinion, as soon as there is an accusation, doesn't doesn't matter what it is, as soon as there is an accusation, you are immediately guilty until your innocence 
is proven. And I, for one, hate that. Do you remember the murder hornet? We had an article in the, uh, in the newsletter, and this was up under the actual, uh, kind of not really local news, but it, it has to do with Georgia. Officials in Georgia have eradicated a second nest of yellow-legged hornets, a cousin of the murder hornet, which of course poses a threat to honeybees and other vital pollinators. The hornets were discovered near Savannah. So, of course, they're, they're making every effort they can to contain. It's an invasive species. They're native to Southeast Asia. They came into Georgia probably as a stowaway on cargo ships. So they're not particularly aggressive towards humans. Um, they do have a detrimental impact on the agriculture industry, well, which will affect uh, crop production and, of course, ultimately what you and I pay for groceries and what have you. So... The agricultural officials are emphasizing the need for continued vigilance and monitoring to fully eradicate the threat. Again, I'm not an insect guy, and I posted, <laughs> I forget what it's called. There, There is a phobia. I'd have to look it up, but it, it's not that important. But there, there is a phobia that can be triggered by people that have this phobia if they see like a picture of an insect or something like that. So I... I debated on whether or not to put an image of a hornet in the newsletter preceding this article. I did it anyway. If you read the article and you got triggered by, and I'm not laughing, trust me, I'm not. But if you did get triggered by, I do apologize because I'm sitting here looking at this thing and my skin is crawling now. So I'm going to scroll on up. Thank you very much. And in this particular newsletter, the more you know section, we had two things that I thought were interesting. Number one, if you love craft cheese, and let's be, let's be real. Craft singles are not real cheese. We know that. But they are glorious when it comes to grilled cheese sandwiches. They just, it's a cheese food. And it melts. And it may not be healthy, but I like it. I love it. It's great. I don't buy them because we, we you know, years ago d- decided that we were going to try to be somewhat healthier. And so, yeah, we don't buy Sargento, but we buy something very similar to that. But Kraft had to voluntarily recall about 83,800 cases of its individually wrapped Kraft Single American cheese slices because of potential choking hazard. It had to do with the packaging. There was a thin strip of film that remained that, that could remain on the slice after the wrapper is removed. And apparently it was so thin that you couldn't see it. So you go to eat the cheese and suddenly now you've got a piece of plastic in your throat and you're choking and, well, it might not be good. The other thing is... And sometimes I just shake my head. You know, TikTok. Can we just take a moment? <laughs> TikTok, really? The number of times people on TikTok come up with these hacks or new ways of doing things. And it's like, oh, I never realized I could do X or I could do Y. And you're looking at it going, we did that 40 years ago. What are you talking about? This one had to do with cutting bell peppers. <laughs> Upside down, apparently, is the way you need to do it. So the quick blurb here was a TikTok hack. And I've gotten to where I really hate that word, hack. Suggests cutting bell peppers upside down. So you start by slicing off the stem, then you cut through the grooves between the rounded ends on the bottom. Uh, this method minimizes seed spillage and apparently allows for efficient seed removal. Uh, there's a video. As of this posting, it had gained about 9.9 million views, and users 
find it a quick, clean, and effective way to handle bell peppers, reducing the mess associated with the seeds. I don't know how you cut bell peppers, but, I mean, I cut one end off, uh, I slice it down the middle, and I just reach in and pull the seeds out, dump them in uh, my garbage disposal, and away they go. And some topics that are from our, our latest edition of the Tifton Talks newsletter that dropped on September 26th, which was yesterday. The leading uh, story was talking about South Georgia witnesses a decline in gasoline prices. They have dropped significantly over the past week with the average price for a gallon of gasoline, regular gasoline, in Valdosta reached $3.29. That was down 16 cents from the previous week. And this, of course, was according to the AAA Daily Fuel Gauge Reports. The lowest reported gasoline price in Valdosta was $3.09. Valdosta ranked sixth in terms of least expensive gasoline among the 15 Georgia markets monitored by Auto Club. The national average was around $3.88 per gallon. Georgia was averaging $3.36. It's down by $0.20 cents over the same period. Again, that was reported by AAA. Also, let's not forget, uh, the governor of Georgia actually um, suspended the uh, excise tax. So there's that. And and I've seen that at the pump. I think I had to get gas the other day. I had to fill up my gas can for my lawnmower and then fill up my uh, my son's truck because I took it up there to get the gas. I think it paid like three oh nine. Before that I was paying like three forty four, three fifty. So yeah, gas prices, man. I remember. I used to own a nineteen ninety I think it was nineteen ninety five Ford Ranger. Bought it brand new. And Cook County Adel, baby. Cook County Ford. Adel. Um five speed. It was a standard transmission. First Standard transmission vehicle I ever owned. Whew, talk about a trial by fire. Had to drive that thing back to Fitzgerald. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. I had I had done a manual transmission. I'd driven vehicles with manual transmission before when I had to. But I had committed myself to this was my new normal. But I remember, you know, in the late 90s, paying 90, 95 cents a gallon in Fitzgerald. I mean, it, it was like, clutching my pearls whenever it went over a dollar a gallon. I was like, goodness. (laughs) So, yeah, gasoline, that's just one of those things. And I don't know where you, how you, where you fall on the whole green energy. We got to get off of uh, petroleum-based fuels and, and that kind of thing. I personally think we do need to. Um, But I also realize that we can't just flip a switch. And this is the problem I had back during the Obama administration was the fact that it seemed like the administration was ready to just kill entire industry segments to you know move to something that I agree will will, will go a long way to saving the planet but you got to transition into it and unfortunately that's the thing about living in a capitalistic society the oil companies that industry is such a behemoth that they're pretty much always going to get their way. And the only way, in my opinion, that you're ever going to get them to pivot is to make sure that they can continue to make the gross, and I do mean that gross, profits that they make. That's it. 
Either that or the country is going to have to completely burn down to the ground and like a phoenix rising out of the ashes, we're going to have to rebuild from the ground up and rebuild with newer technologies and new ways of doing things. I don't want to see that. That is not something I want to go through. That's not something I want my kids to go through. But I am all for electric vehicles. I don't think they are where they need to be today. I don't think the battery technology is good enough. I've considered getting one for myself just for my the, the stuff that I do around town. It'd probably be great uh, because most of my clientele are in Tifton and Tiff County. But you read these horror stories of people that, that get in these vehicles and they get stranded because they go on these trips. And, you know, unfortunately, we're not at a point, and I know I'm getting a little sidetracked here, so I do apologize. We're not at a point like we are with gas stations. You pretty much are guaranteed that if you drive from between here and Texas, you're going to have a plethora of gas stations that you can stop at and refuel. You literally will need to pull up a map and hopefully a map that has accurate information to find where the charging stations are if you're going to drive that trek in an electric vehicle. So we're not there yet, but I do hate how the... The price of gasoline has such a rippling effect across all segments of our lives. You know, it affects our ability of co- at the pump, of course. How much do we pay to put in our vehicles so that we can go to work, we can go to the grocery store to buy groceries? Oh, and don't and not to mention the price of those groceries are also affected because you have transport costs. Those groceries have to get to the grocery store. I mean, If you sit and think about it, it can boggle the mind how one tiny pebble in this great ocean of the economy can have such far-reaching ripples. It's just, it's amazing. All right, two more things, and then I'm going to let you go because I think this is probably already longer than I had anticipated. Uh, We had the Blue Devils dominated uh, the homecoming game in a Standout homecoming performance, Tiff County High's Blue Devils displayed their prowess on the field by shutting out uh, Gadsden County, Florida, with a score of 17-0. So this uh, victory marked their first for the year of 2023. Blue Devils showcased an impressive defensive display, intercepting three passes, recovering a fumble, and even scoring a touchdown by blocking a field goal attempt. The aforementioned coach, Noel uh, Noel Dean, uh, commended the team's hard work expressing a desire for the team to achieve more in Tifton with the additional financing from this win. Additional financing from this win. Thank you, ChatGPT. Damian Moat, I guess is how you pronounce the name. Powerful running game, amassing 118 yards and a touchdown. And a notable feature contributing to this victory. The uh, next challenge is going to be a Region 1-6A game against Northside of Warner Robins on September 29th, which, as of this recording, is two days from now. And something you need to be aware of, this is in our The More You Know section. I've never heard of this. You may have. So if you have, apologies for wasting your time. But police warn drivers of pump switching scam at gas stations. What I'm about to say, I would never do this. So I'm thinking that they are probably targeting the elderly or they're they're sizing up someone that they feel like probably needs physical help or whatever. So this was talking about in Lower Marion Township, Pennsylvania. There's a concerning gas station scam known as pump switching. Now, keep in mind, this is not relegated to just north, uh, nor- the, the northern part of the United States, not just Pennsylvania. But apparently, 
this scam, again, called pump switching, has been on the rise. So the local police have issued a warning to the driver. So here's, here's the scheme. These aggressive scammers, they offer to assist you with pumping your gas. Now, how many times have you been at the gas pump? And uh, this is a legitimate question I have. I'm, I'm not being sarcastic and I'm not making fun of the fact that this, this is a real scam. How many times have you been approached at the gas station where someone offered to assist pumping your gas? I honestly would find that weird. I mean, if someone walked up and said, you know, I, I want to do a good Samaritan thing today. I want to pump your gas for you. I'm going to be like, step off, brother. No. Or, well, I mean, I, I think I'd be a little more cordial than that. I'd be like, oh, thank you, but I got it. Now, if they kept being pushy, then I'm going to tell them to step off. So I don't understand this. So I'm thinking that they are targeting older folks, elderly people, that they, you know, they're not going to think anything about it. You you have an elderly lady that's struggling to to pump the gas. Some young dude comes up and says, ma'am, I'll help you with this. Don't worry about it. And he's going to be suave and he's going to talk to her. Maybe he, Maybe he treats her like, you know, his grandmother or something. No shame on him for what he's about to do. And so she's so enamored with this good Samaritan, this this person who's helping her, that she doesn't pay attention that he doesn't put the handle back into the gas pump. So that's what they do. They continue to pump gas after the original, the, the victim leaves. And you might be thinking, well, why would they keep doing that? Now, this is part of the scam where... I find fault with human beings in general. If this is not like the good old days, well, I say the good old days in quotes. You know, I grew up in a time where the self-serve gas station had just started being a, a thing when I became a licensed driver. I remember being with my folks, pulling up to the gas station, and a gas station attendant came out, pumped your gas, cleaned your windshield, that kind of thing. And believe it or not, up until just a couple of months ago, might have been a month, month and a half ago, there were still two states in the United States that it was illegal to pump your own gas. One of those is now, I want to say it's Oregon, that they finally opened it up. I could be wrong, so apologies if I am. But now there's only one state in the United States that it is still illegal for you to pump your own gas. Imagine that shock. You go to that particular state and you pull up to a gas station and you go to get out and somebody's going to pump your gas for you. And you're like, what? So, yeah. So if I go up to a gas, a gas pump, say here in Georgia, and there's a dude or a lady, equal opportunity scammer here, going to pump my gas, I'm going to be a little suspect, especially when they're collecting money. And unless they've got a, you know, a credit card reader on them, like, you know, a Stripe, a dongle connected to a, a phone or something, they're going to want cash. So that's what they do. The scammer continues to pump gas for other drivers, demanding cash pay. Okay, cash payments, there you go, for the service. Often victims are unaware of the crime until days or weeks later, making it challenging for law enforcement to apprehend the culprits. So to protect against the scam, police advise drivers to handle their own gas nozzles to end the transaction and obtain receipts. I don't know about you, but that's exactly what I do. I don't even rely, I mean, if it's family members with me, and let's say they get out of the vehicle and we're we're just standing there, you know, jawing, 
I'm still going to be the one that puts the handle up, and I'm still going to be the one that presses, yes, I want a receipt. Now, I'm also one of those people, if it says, well, go inside and get your receipt, I'm like, no. There's a reason why I'm, I'm pumping gas here with a credit card. I do not want to go into the store. There's nothing in there that I need. So, yeah, just, just be aware. I find it difficult that this, this would be a rampant scam, but it, it could still happen. And as it goes on to say, the scam isn't confined to a specific location. It's a crime that's been reported in various areas. And law enforcement, they're encouraging anyone experiencing pump switching to contact emergency services. An incident was recounted where a victim initially declining assistance later discovered a fraudulent charge of $165 on her credit card instead of the $35 she believed she had spent on gas. Her advice to fellow drivers is to be cautious and report any suspicious solicitations for gas assistance. So warning, if someone walks up to you while you're pumping, while you're getting out of your vehicle about to pump gas and wants to assist you, politely decline. If they continue to insist, dial 911. And to be sure, I this is my recommendation. As you're dialing 911, make a noise. Make sure if there's any if there's anybody else around you, if you're not the only person there pumping gas, make statements like, "Hey, I'm everybody, I'm calling 911. This person is insisting that they pump gas for me, and I told them no." That's probably going to make them run. So that's that's my suggestion anyway. All right, well that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Tipton Talks the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me just just drone on and on and on. Um, I would love for you to subscribe to the newsletter. Again, my goal is to try to put it out twice a week, but uh, if there's nothing newsworthy to report, I will not just send it out for the sake of sending it out. But here, I mean, since we've started it, we like I say, we've had three. We had two last week. We've had one this week. We've got another one scheduled, hopefully, to go out Friday morning. That's actually our our times is if we can do it twice a week it'll be it'll be in your inbox hopefully by five a m on Tuesday morning and Friday morning. Do not hold me to that. I'm trying to get my footing on this, but if you have something that you would like to contribute to the newsletter, and my goal is when we put articles in the newsletter, we will always link to the original source. We summarize what the article is about, and we will have at least one source link. Sometimes we'll have multiples because we like to take multiple sources and summarize the totality of what was reported in those sources. So you're going to have links to the source. And if it's a personal account of something that you want to share in the newsletter and you want to be recognized then you just let me know, and I'll make sure that you get the credit for it. Email newsletter at tiptontalks.com for anything like that. Or if you've got a suggestion on something that we might want to dig into and somebody that we can contact, there's, there's an up-and-coming story, something that needs attention. Again, newsletter at tiptontalks.com. If you have suggestions for the podcast, that email address is podcast at tiptontalks.com. And that's a suggestion. That can be a critique. Uh, that can be an attaboy. Whatever. Just podcast at tiptontalks.com. And finally, voicemail. We have a voicemail line. 762-354-2916.
Again, that is 762-354-2916. If you want to call, leave a voicemail about the podcast, about the newsletter, or if you just want to say, hey, you're doing a great job, or you suck, you know what? I, I You know, constructive criticism, I'm all for it. So bear in mind that I may use that in the podcast. Of course, now, if you don't want to be embarrassed and you don't want your name stated or anything, I will not, I will not betray your trust on that. I will not provide, definitely will not provide your telephone number ever. Even if you say, Donovan, it's fine. Have them call me. No, not doing that. Not doing that at all. But if you're like, yeah, it's okay to, to, to say this message was from, uh, you know, Jay Smith. No, I don't know Jay Smith, but I'm just saying. <laughs> then we can do that. But I want this podcast, I want it to be informative, but I also want it to be entertaining, and I want it to be a space where you can feel comfortable sharing information and, and oh, Lordy, not getting canceled. So anyway, again, thank you for your time. I know I've, I've bent your ear probably way too long. My voice is going. I'm literally recording this early in the morning on Wednesday, so... uh and I've got some some duties I got to take care of in the group. Uh, one thing I would like to say is everybody that keeps joining the group, thank you. We are. Let's see. Let me give you a, let me give you a peek behind the curtain here. We'll look at the amount of members we have. Have we? Yes, we have finally broached the six thousand mark. We have six thousand forty five members in the Tifton Talks Facebook group. Uh, we have something like between 20 and 40 requests every day. Please bear in mind, you do have to answer the questions and you do have to agree to the group rules. The number of accounts, if I get 20 in a day, I get somewhere between 8 and 12. The, the questions, I'm, I'm, I'm letting that slide because it's just informational stuff. Do you live in Tifton? Have you ever left, uh, lived in Tifton? Why do you want to join the group? That kind of stuff. Okay, I'll give you a pass on that. But if you do not answer that you agree with the group rules, you are automatically declined. And the number of people that have actually stated in the question, why do you want to join? And they make no bones about it. They want to do promotions and advertising. We don't allow that. So I do respectfully respond back to them and say, hey, I noticed you want to do promotion or advertising. We don't allow that. If you want to get back, if you do want to be a member of the group, you can't do that. Reapply. So... There's that. But there we are, 6,045. Spread the word. Let everybody know. There's, there's room enough on Facebook and in Tifton and Tiff County for multiple groups about Tifton. So it's not, we're, we're not going to, we're not better than anybody else. That's not what we're doing. We're, we're just a different place. You can be in more than one, but we're the only one, as far as I know, that have a podcast and a newsletter. <laughs> Uh, so again, shout out to Tifton Grapevine. Thank you for all of the fantastic reporting that they do. Um, yeah, they've been around for a while. They do, they do good work. And again, I, like I say, I think there's room enough in Tifton and Tiff County and the surrounding areas to have more than one newsletter. And our focus is just slightly different than theirs, but kudos to them. If you, if you don't subscribe to their newsletter, go do it. Go s- subscribe to our newsletter too. Go to tiftontalks.substack.com. Or you can go to tiftontalks.com and click on the newsletter item in the menu. Email addresses, newsletter at tiftontalks.com, podcast at tiftontalks.com, and voicemail, 762-354-2916.
1-800-227-1616. I have been Donovan Adkisson for Tifton Talks, the podcast. Have a great week. Thank you.